All right, here we go. Birdland tonight. Guys, we've done a bunch of practice shows, kind of general spring shows. Today's fun because we've got an actual Orioles game to talk about. As uh, the Orioles just finished, it's really tough to pull a lot of highlights from a spring game. But they did play nine innings, and they beat the Pirates 10-9 to nine in Sarasota. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Yeah, happy we got a W. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great way to start Birdland tonight. I have a feeling we'll have a lot of W's this year. Also, a lot of L's. But either way, <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of Birdland tonight. So if you're just joining us, first time you're checking out the show, this is the format. We're going to have a conversation after every Orioles game this year, and we want you to be part of that conversation. So make sure you're commenting in wherever you're at, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, uh, Twitter, over on birdlandtonight.com, wherever you are comment in the comment section and that's going to help direct the show each night so tonight's format we'll just lay it out there because this is new so for the format we're going to start first half of the show we're going to look at tonight's game and some specifics i think there were some really fun highlights that we'll get to in tonight's show and some lowlights obviously and then for the second half we're going to deal with some overall spring thoughts and thoughts going into the season since opening day is one week away. Um, all right, let's start, like I said, in this game. And let's see, who do we want to start with? How about Bob? Pull, uh, give me one of your big takeaways from this game or big highlights. Our outfield is pretty legit right now. It seems like the young guys came up to play, at least today, and they've been doing it pretty much all spring. Austin Hayes, Umer hit for the cycle, even though he only played seven innings. Two assists from the outfield, cannon for an arm. Mountcastle just belted a home run to left center field. I mean, Mullins, drag bunt, stole base. Everything you want to see from the outfield, we saw it tonight. Yeah, I mean, Cody, we were talking before the spring started and even going into this first week of spring training about this outfield. And we, I don't think we really pictured an outfield with Hayes and uh, – Mullins both in the outfield. We thought one of them will win the job, but clearly they're both going to be part of this outfield. Yeah, and I think that's my preference. Uh, to be quite honest, the the first inning or two, uh, I thought you know I'm not sure if Mountcastle is just not wanting to risk injury, which I'm all for. I don't want any injuries this close to opening day. Uh, but yeah, I thought there was a couple plays that maybe he could have made that I think if Hayes was out there in left field, he might have made. Because, again, you know, I know he didn't play today, but Santander was a, a, a gold glove finalist. So I like the idea of Santander, Mullins, and Hayes in the outfield. But that's, that's part of the problem, Andrew. Part of the problem is the lineup. The Orioles have a decent lineup. Yeah. And when you're, it's really hard to get Mountcastle, Mancini, Santander in the same lineup when Mullins and Hayes are playing the way they are. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you, you talk about tonight's game being a 10-9 final. I think if, if the Orioles are going to win games this year, you're going to see a lot of 10-9 type of games because, you know, that's what you expect. You expect the bats to be there. The line, the Orioles have almost, um, by accident, put together a really decent offensive team and, and a de decent lineup. But like you said, it's fitting those pieces in the right spots. It's, it's, a, it's a puzzle piece that Brandon Hyde is going to have to, you know, 
put together each night uh, when he fills out his lineup card. But I also don't think it's a problem either. It's it's nice to have options and it's nice to be able to give guys a breather at times too, especially when we're talking about, you know, especially two players in Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins who have dealt with injuries in their history. I think it's nice to have both of those guys competing for a center field position, but also have the ability to slide Hayes over occasionally to give somebody a rest. And then, like you said, slide Mountcastle, Mancini into the DH role here and there as well. I think it's it's not a bad problem to have. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad problem to have. And we'll get to the pitching side because you're right. It is going to be those big runs to keep us in games. Uh, Michael, when we're looking at this and you're talking about Hayes, uh, Mullins, Mancini's coming off cancer, Santander's coming off injury. There's a lot of injuries in these guys. So uh, going into this full season, there's been a lot of talk about pitchers and working pitchers up for the season. Do you think that is going to be part of how Brandon Hyde manages his team with kind of giving people a lot more rest because of that availability? Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. I mean, pretty much since the strike, um, I think it was in 1994, this really hasn't happened where there was a short season going into completely full season, and we weren't even sure it was going to be full until about a month ago. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a huge deal. Um, I've seen a lot on Twitter tonight, like, can Hayes please stay healthy, like, because he's so good. And we saw his potential tonight. Um, but, yeah, definitely keeping guys like him and Mullins, as you said, healthy. But really the biggest concern is definitely the rotation um, and just really finding enough innings. Like Elias even said it in his interview tonight, like it's just going to be a struggle for the whole league, but especially the Orioles where, you know, guys like even Aiken and Kramer, who we thought we could depend on may have nights like they did tonight. And then you have to put in the bullpen early. Um, I am a little bit excited about Matt Harvey coming into the rotation. Uh, We'll have to see how that works, but yeah, rest and just preserving people from injury to keep on developing is definitely the motto this year. Yeah, and um, with Mullins, it was a guy who has been a switch hitter for years for us, and now he's really focused on the left side. And I think um, we'll talk later about the broadcast because we're getting a feel of that now too and what we get to experience this year. But I thought Brian Roberts made a good point tonight about how uh, now he's not splitting those practice at-bats and warm up at bats with 50% on each side. And I, I think we're really seeing that come along and help Mullins. Um, all right. Uh, Bob, Mountcastle looked great today. Got that three-run home run. Um, there's a lot of talk that he has an opportunity for rookie of the year. How realistic do you think that is? I actually think it's pretty realistic. I don't know if he should be the favorite going into the season, but I mean, he just missed losing his rookie eligibility by like a few at bats at most. So he's got a lot of experience going into the season. I think Wander Franco might be his biggest competition and he's going to start the year in a minor league. So if he can just do what he did last season over a length of a full 162 games, give or take, then uh, yeah, I think he's got a good chance. All right. So we bring him in rookie of the year this year. Um, and then next year we get it with Rushman because he's already been declared Jesus and King of the Orioles. So we've got that down. It'll be, it's the future is bright with a lot of these guys. I just wish some of them could play second base because it seems like when you look at this offense and I guess the defense too, second base really seems to be the weakness. Andrew, what do the Orioles do there? Just stick whoever there. It's like, it's like your softball team. You hide the guy who never played a sport at second base. 
Yeah, I mean, I know personally, whenever I've played softball as an adult, that's where I play because it's the shortest throw to first. And and I don't I don't want to have to deal with, uh, you know, the hot corner or, or trying to make that throw from the hole. It's short or certainly running around in the outfield. So you you, th- you throw me in there at second base for sure. But no, in all seriousness, um, it, it is a position that they they'll need to address. But it's also one of those positions where through the next few couple of seasons, when the Orioles are, are likely going to have, you know, some pretty decent draft picks. Um, they'll be able to draft athletes. And I think they've already even done that to an extent in drafting guys that are, you know, drafting guys as a shortstop or as a third baseman. And typically what we find is these guys develop through the minor leagues is eventually we realize they're not quite a major league caliber shortstop or third baseman or even an outfielder at times. And they get stuck at second base or they get stuck at first base. So those or are the kinds pitch. of things. Yeah. Or they, <laughs> or they pitch. Those are the kinds of things that will eventually happen. And, and second baseman, is is not a you know a priority position that you need to go out and focus on unless you know an opportunity arises so i don't think it's that big of an issue it's a position in terms of the lineup that you could easily see hitting eighth or ninth on any given day and that being just fine i think the real focus that the orioles in, in terms of the positive that they have is obviously in rushman at the catcher position for the future but it's also with this outfield like we've been talking about i mean to think about this game tonight where you had cedric mullins austin hayes and Ryan Mountcastle all kind of sprayed across that outfield. And they didn't even have the guy who was virtually their best player last season in Anthony Santander. That's four outfielders. Now, health is a big factor, obviously, but that's four outfielders that you can you know throw into three positions. And that's a pretty good strength to have, um, especially when you factor in that Mountcastle can play a little bit of first base here and there as well. Um, and you know, have Mancini, DH, or, or or whatever else you'd want to do in that position. So I think those are all really positive things to take. Um, and and you know, for for the limited number of games that Masson was able to broadcast this spring, uh, or able to, or or chose to, or whatever the, the word we want to use, yeah, it, for 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 them to get this game tonight, a ten nine win over the Pirates, where the outfield was really on display. That's really fortunate for them because fans who were able to watch this game back in Baltimore really got a sense of, oh, there are some young, exciting players and we're a week out from the season now. And that's something to think about and something to be excited about. And, um, you know, for, for a season that I think we all know is not going to be super exciting in terms of wins and losses, that's at least something to look forward to. Yeah, Don't forget about point. DJ Stewart in the outfield too. Sure, of course. He's another one. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh... – riches in the outfield and it's going to be very interesting to see both how Brandon Hyde balances them and what what Michael Heist tries to do with some of them and tries to turn some of them into uh trade candidates it'll be interesting to see how that goes but it sure makes me miss Hanser Alberto which I never thought I would say um Michael we focused this lineup's great 10 runs that'll win you games unless your pitching really sucks and our pitching seems to suck Keegan Aiken today started the game, first two innings, gave up six runs. Uh, Aiken's supposed to be in the rotation. What's going on here? How do we? How's this going to go? Well, I mean, <clears throat> they were talking about on the broadcast. I thought Brian Roberts made a lot of good points throughout the game, but two good points about this that he definitely made are, first off, um, Aiken's velocity was a little bit down from where it normally is, and it really depends on the pitcher, but um, he said he expected Aiken's velocity to be back around, you know, 94, 95 by, you know, maybe not his first start, but well, when we're well into April to be back there. So that's definitely a positive sign for him. Um, 
And then, yeah, another point he made is that spring training is almost more for pitchers rather than hitters. And so it's kind of hard to evaluate how good these pitchers really are. I think someone like Felix Hernandez, who, you know, his velocity isn't there and he's been on the decline for years. We can kind of tell that maybe, you know, he's kind of losing it. And guys like Matt Harvey, where it's like, oh, all of a sudden their velocity's back and their mechanics look good. Maybe that's a good sign. But overall, for guys who were decent performers last year, I think spring is almost just more of a warm-up rather than a true evaluation tool. But overall, definitely worried about the pitching and covering the innings, as I said earlier. Uh, but I do feel good about our bullpen. Well, speaking of the bullpen, Bob, um, is the gun in Sarasota right? Did Tanner Scott really hit 101 a few times today? It might not be perfect, but... I mean, he was spotted as touching 100 last time out too. So, if he's cranking it up to 100 to 101 miles per hour with a 90 mile an hour slider, yeah, it's going to be hard to hit him, especially if he can keep the ball around the plate. That was definitely a huge positive from this game. Especially if you, when we know Hunter Harvey's going to be out a while, it's going to be important for Tanner Scott to step up and show that he can be the back end of that bullpen. Um, Cody, a guy who doesn't seem to be taking advantage of the openings available is uh, Fernando Abad. How's he fit into this? Is he going to make it? Again, we, we only know what we see. And there's been a handful of games that have been broadcast. Uh, when we have seen him, nothing that we've seen has been great. Uh, Hyde seems to be really high on him. Uh, you know, in the few times that reporters have brought his name up during the Zoom calls, uh, Hyde's always very complimentary about whatever he's throwing on the backfields or the simulated game. So, but to me, based off of what we've seen, uh, and again tonight, I just don't see him making the trip north with the team. Um, it, he's just, you know, uh, he's bad. Uh, so I, I don't know. I hope the guy didn't get injured tonight. He took one to the shin that looked like uh, it would have broken my leg. But uh, hopefully he's all right. But uh, I think that there's, there's too many other interesting guys on the team, including the two Rule 5 picks, uh, that would be a, a better alternative than Abad. Of course. And, uh, Andrew, one of the most worthless stats in baseball for pitchers is the win. Do you know who got the win today? No idea and don't care. All right. Well, it's the guy who looked the best today. Mark Scarelli, or guy I don't even know who he is and what he's doing in the Orioles. Um, but he did come in and pitch two innings and not give up any runs. Isn't well, that he's, Ben he's McDonald's one rule, cousin? He's one of the Rule 5 guys, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's why I don't care who he is. I assumed he wouldn't be around. So and Scroller, great... I think, is actually the of, of the two Rule Five guys. I think Scroller is the one that is less likely to make it um, on this roster right now. I, and 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 I think there's a lot of um, I wouldn't say a lot of turmoil about that in kind of the the Orioles uh, internet world. But I think a lot of people would like to see both he and Tyler Wells make it. It seems like Wells is going to make it. It seems like Scroller may be left out, but you know, there's still a week left and things can change and injuries can happen. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens. But yeah, Scroller I thought did look okay. Um, and maybe did himself some favors with his performance tonight. All right. Well, you guys mentioned Ben McDonald, and that's his relative. I like when Ben McDonald's on the broadcast. Uh, today we got Scott Garceau and Brian Roberts as a good preview of what we're gonna get this season. Um you guys all miss, like, this is bad, right, for the Orioles? There's, I know they're saving money or something at Masson, but, uh, Bob, how's this going to be for 162 games? I can handle Brian Roberts. I feel like he's Mike Bordick with a little bit more, uh, you know, 
smartness to him or, or a little more analytic approach to himself. Um, Scott Garceau, he, he makes me wince. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy, but he's constantly miscalling things. And I know it's tough when you're not exactly in the ballpark and all that, but even from last season, he's mispronouncing names. He's, he thought Ryan Mount calls councils a uh, home run hit off the top of the wall as he's slowly rounding the bases. Yeah, it's well, just, that, yeah, that one I accepted the, the hitting the wall because you got to remember uh, it's Sarasota. It's not all the camera angles. It's not a stadium he's used to calling. He's not used to calling at all. It stings a little bit because I think I only listened to one Oh five, seven for him and Jeremy. So I enjoyed him in that format and it stings to that he's struggling in this format. But yeah, uh, I agree. Who knows? Let's see what he can do with a full season. Any other takeaways from this game before we move on? I mean, I'll echo what what the guys have been saying about Brian Roberts. I think that I I also enjoy Ben McDonald on the broadcast, but I really like B Rob as well. I think he does a good job of giving some insight and, and, um, you know, making some points that maybe you don't think about all the time as a, as a former ball player, which is obviously an advantage for, and, and, and why a lot of times color analysts are former ball players because they have that, that insight. But um, I, I enjoy the job that, that Roberts is. I think he's growing into the role in a similar way that, um, that Mike Bordick did over the years. I think Mike Bordick, you know, when he started out broadcasting games, struggled at times, but I think he really grew into the role and got used to it and has, and has done a really good job recently. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. And it's, again, even the guys that were broadcasting last year was so weird that they were, I don't even I think they were broadcasting like with the team in the st- stadiums or they were in Camden right. Yards while the team was in Boston. So that wasn't really a fair shake. So it'll be interesting to see how they go and, this year. And the only other thing I'll say about broadcasters is that I'm glad that ESPN has picked up the rights to the NHL so that Gary Thorne could potentially go back to doing that because I would love to hear him in my life somewhere, mm-hmm. even if it's not on Orioles games. Right. And then I guess Jim Hunter is now with Maryland Public Television. Yeah, I saw so, that too. So you can... I don't know anyone that watches Maryland Public Television, but you can but you can go over there and see Jim Hunter. All right, um, let's take a quick 20-second break, and we'll come back and kind of talk about spring in general and looking forward to opening day in a week. All right, uh, Stephen Frank apparently really likes Bordy and wants him in the uh, dugout instead of Brandon Hyde. So I'm not sure. I really like Brandon Hyde more than I expected to this year. I don't know. Um, I like the moves he's been making last season and the way he was using the bullpen. So I've got high hopes for him this season, even though I don't have extremely high hopes for this season for the team. All right, um, Let's start on the bad side. Let's start with the rotation. Um, Cody, what does this rotation look like to you? Yeah, so you know we, we know that Means is is coming in there, and it and it sounds like Dean He's Kramer. The day. And it sounds like that. they've got Dean Kramer and Hunter Harvey as number two and three. At least that's the way it seems like it's lining that, that'd up. That'd be Matt Harvey. That one, Matt Harvey. Yeah. Uh, All right, I so. <laughs> uh, but after that, you know, uh, Wade LeBlanc was, was DFA today. Um, 
So I, you know, they always say that there's a chance that he comes back, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, and everybody seems to really want myself included to see Bruce Zimmerman get a chance. Uh, and then you still have George Lopez uh, or Jorge Lopez. Sorry. I think they call him Lopi uh, or that's what Hyde refers to him as Lopi. Uh, so I think that you're still looking at six, possibly seven guys. Um, but they're talking about, you know, you're going to need, you know, at least 10 guys that could come in and start games this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk, Andrew, of that six man rotation. And it seems like if you go six man, you've got room for means Kramer, Aiken, Harvey Lopez and Zimmerman. And you and me and Cody and Bob and, and Michael. I mean, all, all of us could get a chance at this at some point. Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're exactly right, though. And we're looking at what's probably going to be like a 14-man pitching staff at this point. And that's a lot of pitchers to carry on a roster, you know. that. Um, but I think all of them will have the ability to at least, you know, start games. We may not see the traditional starter role from some of these outings. We may see guys go and pitch one, two, maybe three innings max uh, in, in a starting role, kind of like that hybrid opener type of role that we've seen in the past. We may see a little bit of that here and there. Um, but, you know, Cody brings up a good point. Like, you know, Jorge Lopez, Bruce Zimmerman, um, these are all guys that are kind of just going to fill in and eat innings and get their shot as well, I think. Keegan Aiken certainly didn't do himself any favors with his performance in the game tonight. But um, in, in the long run, you know, this rotation is John Means and then – filler 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 it's all just filler behind john means and even john means would be probably the third at best starter on a, a good team a competitive team he might even be the fourth or fifth starter on a, on a good competitive team so we're talking about throwing out the opening day starter and that's no disrespect to john means he obviously had a a really good 2019 campaign and struggled last year until the tail end when he, he picked things up again a lot of that due to injury um, but John means is, is, you know, this team's ace. So that says a lot about where this rotation is in general. Sure. You get, uh, yeah, you're right. We got a number three and then a bunch of guys. And of course we're, we're a bunch of guys, but the worst player on the Orioles is still better than any of us, but, we don't com- but you're not judging them and comparing them. I'm trying to give the birdlands. I'm trying to give the Birdland tonight uh, viewers uh, a view of, of of my humor before the season starts, just so they can get their groans out now. That's all. Well, I think we we uh, broadcast this on Orioles social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that, and I think there's a lot of people that post on there that think that are good enough to be on the Orioles. So I think I think it's pretty. Oh, acceptable. I hope they don't think that. But... I think they uh, truly believe that there's some players on the Orioles that do not deserve to be major league. I mean, look at the hatred that Ryan Flaherty used to get. And he could, he was way better than any of us. Um, Michael, let's talk about Matt Harvey. He was a long shot going into this kind of the joke that he was coming back with the Orioles, but we've been uh, kind of impressed with him. We got to say, sign him, move him to the 40 man today. He's, they're saying a candidate for the rotation, I don't see how you don't put him in the rotation at this point. The question is, it's spring training. Can he actually go deep in a game? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that question is still completely unanswered. And I think he'll have plenty of bad starts, especially towards the beginning. Um, but, yeah, apparently he worked out um, with this BPC center in New Jersey last or this offseason. 
And yeah, he really changed his mechanics. And then the, when he came to the Orioles, they really showed him, this is what you used to do in the past that actually worked for you. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with pronating and staying more closed as he finished into his pitches. Um, but really, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how it works out for him. But when he came to the team, like you said, it kind of seemed like a joke. It's like, oh, the Dark Knight is here. And I actually thought Felix Hernandez had a much better shot of being a legit MLB starter for us this year. But yeah, he definitely has to be in the rotation right now. Um, and we'll just see how it plays out. We really can't lose because we're going to lose a lot of actual games. So we might as well just, you know, try it out and, you know, maybe he'll be good and we can sign him for a longer term or he won't be good and, you know, he didn't really take any losses. Um, but I also think we should watch out for Cesar uh, Valdez. Um, maybe not as a full-on rotation piece, but definitely as like the raised type opener guy. Um, I think he's something, you know, someone who could really be exciting for us too this year. Yeah, Valdez is interesting. I like Valdez in your bullpen because he throws the ball so slow. He's almost a knuckleballer, but you back him up with a Tanner Scott type guy and it's really messing with hitters. Um, Bob, yeah. who in this bullpen stands out? Because like we said, it's just a bunch of guys filling roles because we have to, someone's got to pitch. <laughs> We've got the hitters, but someone still has to pitch. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm a little bullish on the on the bullpen. It might not be any superstars out there, but they did a pretty good job last year. And I think it's a lot of guys who can really spin the ball, like Sean Armstrong. He's kind of a no thrills, no frills, but he gets the job done. He, he like Brian Roberts was saying, he's got that high spin rate fastball that kind of sneaks on hitters. Um, obviously, Tanner Scott just blowing the doors off to this spring training. Hopefully, that carries over. And really. Like Cesar Vadez, he was he did a great job at the end of last season, and like you said, he gives them a completely different look. Yeah, you're going to have your Travis Lakin seniors and and some less you know exciting guys, but I, I actually think the bullpen can be pretty good. Uh, that would be pretty amazing if the bullpen was good. Um, Cody, how do you see this all? For saying we talked about today was a good preview of kind of what the team could look like, what the lineup could look like. Um, I think there's still a few battles for bench spots going on. Who do you think wins some of these battles and squeezes in there? Well, it, it seems like Pat Lake has got it. You know, he, he's on the team. He, he's that that second bench spot behind uh, Chance Cisco as the backup catcher. Um, my guess is that uh, in order to kind of have a, an, an extra pitcher or two, that they uh, go ahead and stash away um, Michael Franco uh, in Bowie. I know that that's kind of written in his contract that, he could start at the alternate site, and my guess is that they do that in order to get uh, another guy, another pitcher on the uh, 26-man roster. But really, after that, I mean, you, you're not drawing from a, a very deep well. Uh, Ramon Urias, who you know occasionally um, you know looks good. You know, the great thing about him is that he can play shortstop. Uh, we haven't seen nearly as much as Stevie Wilkerson as I, I feel like we had the the past two years, and, and Richie Martin is just now coming back. Um, I don't think Yusniel Diaz is ready. I don't think any of the other outfielders, Ryan McKenna, is ready to come out. Um, so it, it could be one of these guys that we haven't seen much, the Tyler Nevins and the uh, – uh, there's another one whose name just slipped my mind. Um, and I also don't think it's uh, Jami Jones. So we'll see. All right, Andrew, third base. Do you, uh, you think Ruiz keeps it or do you think Franco can push him out? 
I think Franco could eventually push him out um, and, and will eventually push him out. But I, I don't think Rio Ruiz is going to go away um, entirely. I think he's going to be a piece for this team, uh, whether it's a bench guy or whether it's a guy who plays two to three times a week instead of six to seven. Um, I think that that's, he can still be a, a contributor. But um, I also think it's important to note that just that the Orioles went out and got a guy like Mikel Franco. Um, you know, not that he's a, a huge signing or anything, but it's a guy, it's a veteran guy who they can bring in to push others for, you know, rather than just have Rio Ruiz play third and be complacent because there's no one else there to push him to be better. Um, I think that that's a, an important thing that the Orioles didn't particularly have to do, but they went out and did it. It, it kind of goes the same with the Freddie Galvis signing um, at shortstop. You know, there, there are other guys who could have played there, but they went out and signed a guy like Freddie Galvis who has experience playing there. Um, and in order to do that, and quite frankly, you know, going back to the pitching just for a second, I have a feeling that over the next week, we may even see some of that happen because, you know, like the Wade LeBlanc move where they granted him his free agency because it was a part of his contract. Um, we're going to see that across baseball. We're going to see guys being released, um, here over the next week ahead of opening day and whether those guys would be candidates to be starters or just bullpen arms. I think the Orioles will be be you know scouring the 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 scrap heap for for lack of a better term for guys that are being released over the next week who could come in and contribute and push some of these other arms as well in the bullpen even if it's not to just take over a particular role but just to push the guys that are already there and give them a threat and you know competition you know makes everyone better so I think it's a good thing all around uh, to you know it's 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 how this team has kind of been built. Uh, in many ways that it's, it's guys coming in and, and pushing others for comp- competitive spots. And uh, I, I think we could see some of that even over the next week ahead of the start of the season. Yeah. Steven's pointing out. That's how we got Severino. Exactly. And the legend Dan Straley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there's also the taxi squad again this year, and it's up to five players this year that they can carry around. So that's extra guys always with them that they just have to make active or inactive for the game. So it'll be interesting to see how many pitchers they put in that because they might be worried about using five, six pitchers in a game. And then I, if they can just put them on the taxi squad and then move them back, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out this year as well. All right. Since we've got a week till opening day, uh, we're not really doing a prediction show or anything because we've got a lot of other stuff going on at Birdland tonight over the next week. So the over-under is 64 wins. Let's go through uh, over or under 64. Cody? Over, absolutely. Um, yeah, based off of um, nothing other than my fandom. But uh, I, I like I like what I've seen so far. Um, you know, how well does it, you know, the way we played against the Pirates, is it going to carry over to how we play against the, uh, the Blue Jays and the Yankees? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I like us getting closer to that 75 mark this year. All right, and Cody's expecting 85 if Chris Davis comes back. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Andrew, over under. You're you're kind of right on it there. Is that the actual Vegas number 64? That's the Vegas number 64. It's a they really always, good number. They always seem to know best. I yeah. mean, that really is kind of right where I hover. Um, I would have gone – I would have said 65, so I guess technically I'm over, but just – just barely like I, I'm, I'm right on it though. I, that's kind of right where I am is 64, 65 wins. All right, Michael, you're over. Yeah, I'd, I'd say slightly over. I wrote a blog piece where 
I kind of took all the wars that we lost and gained um, and did, you know, used a couple of fan graphs projections and I ended up with 66 wins. So yeah, I'd say a little over, although, you know, if someone gets hurt like Santander or Mancini, that could easily drop to 60 or something. So we'll have to see, but yeah, I'm hoping for some improvement, um, kind of like how the Astros did year over year. So we'll see. All right. And Bob, you, I think you've already hinted that you're over. I'm crushing the over, you know, I'm betting my, my mortgage on it. No, I think we could get, I'm always optimistic, but I think we can get between 70 and 72 wins. I think we might surprise some people still, you know, 90 losses, it ain't nothing to sneeze at, but I think we'll be better than a lot of people think. All right. And then if we're uh, playing the prices right game, I'll go with one win and stay under all you guys. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I think we're all hopeful of this team because we see that lineup like we saw today. And if you can put up 10 runs, it's hard to put up 10 runs, even with crappy pitching on the other side. So um, it means they are going to win some games. And if they can get over that 64, I'd probably put money on over that 64 more than under. I think it's hard to lose 100 ball games. Well, and it's important to remember, too, they only won 25 games last year. So if they can go and win over 60 this year, it's a massive improvement. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was after uh, us getting excited with them actually being in the mix for uh, two weeks at the beginning of the season. With an expanded playoffs. And right, everything. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Um, but, we, but also, it's always hard to look outside of Baltimore and see, oh, well, the Yankees got really good. The Red Sox got good. Uh, the Rays were in the World Series last year. And remember that we got to play them a lot as well. Yeah, last I checked. <laughs> right. It's very easy to look at our bubble. And say, hey, we can beat the Pirates. But guess what? The Pirates are one of the worst teams in baseball. Just like us. So, all right. So, if you're still with us, Birdland tonight goes in full force a week from today as a post game for every show. Go on over to Birdland tonight. All the links are there for Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, the username there is all Birdland Sports. Go follow those and hit the bell. Apparently, they all have a bell that you turn on for notifications. So they say for Facebook, hit the bell. For YouTube, click the bell or something. So do that so you get notified right after every Oriole game to remind you to turn off Masson, turn off their boring post-game show. Come join us where you can steer the conversation in the comments section. So also subscribe to the Birdland Tonight podcast so that if you don't stay up late, if it's a long game or something, you can catch us on your drive-in to work or your, I don't know, morning coffee. Everyone's still working from home, right? So uh, you, that's there for you as well. And I will say next week, I, I forgot to show off the Birdland Tonight hat, which I think is my favorite. But I also got in some sample shirts with the logos on them as well. So we're going to be doing some giveaways for uh, viewers, listeners, followers uh, next week as well. So make sure you're sharing the show getting the word out, giving reviews on iTunes, all that type of stuff, because we're going to select a few of you and give some stuff away next week. So, all right, Cody, tell us about I Just Like the Duck. Yeah, so uh, we'll have a new podcast coming out uh, this weekend, probably talk a little bit about um, the upcoming season and then get into a little bit about uh, is this the last season before baseball changes with the CBA coming up? All right, interesting. I'm hoping the CBA gets delayed a year. I think it's really hard to agree on money stuff coming out of COVID. Uh, Andrew, what's over on Utah Street? 
Uh, wrote a piece a little while back, right after Nick Markakis announced his retirement, uh, kind of just exploring his legacy uh, as a as a baseball player and as an Oriole. So you can check that out uh, and uh, follow me at a Stetka on Twitter. All right, and uh, Bob, what's going on? Uh, my minor league podcast on the verge. We've recently had a few good episodes with some cool guests like Eric, Eric Loggenhagen from Fangraphs and Alec Fast from Pitcherlist, and we just recently talked about. What did we talk about? Minor league rule changes and the MLB pipeline top 100 that came out. Oh, I forgot about minor league rule changes. I meant to talk about that on 336 <laughs> this past week because uh, that's some exciting stuff when looking to the future of baseball and something we can talk about on here when we've got one of those slow, long games to talk about. Michael, what's up with you? Yeah, uh, also on UtahStreetReport.com. Uh, definitely check out some of my blog posts like I was just talking about Um you know, projecting out the wins for this year. And then I have one coming out soon uh, talking about who's like the greatest Oriole of the 2010s. And I actually did it because of your piece, Andrew, a little bit uh, about Mark Hagas, just reflecting on that whole era. But yeah, uh, excited to start the se- season and write about some games. All right. So again, follow Birdland Sports on everything. Get ready for Birdland tonight in full running next week, uh, Thursday, after every game. Catch it right here. We'll talk to you guys later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.